WPTF Weekend Gardener with Mike, Ann, and Rufus. And good morning to you. Uh, the voice, strange voice, you heard <laughs> in the background there, in addition to Johnny Cash, was Rufus Edmiston, who sung his way out of a governorship, he said. <laughs> back in 1988, I think it was. Well, Tom, we're going to have a treat for you after a while if I can get our wonderful engineer to do his thing. Uh, is that possible, my friend? Jason, I, uh, he says yes. Do not. I mean, who's in charge of this show? Now? <laughs> I, I, made, I made a request. Okay, that's all. I, all I, right. you, you're the boss, but okay. but if he does it and you and you didn't have any notice of it, you can't be blamed. for If it. you just walked into this program, <laughs> I need to tell you, I'm Tom Campbell. I'm subbing for Mike Rayleigh today. Mike and Melissa are in Israel, uh, at the Holy Land, a trip that they have just longed to go on for many, many years. And with us, uh, Phil Campbell in the studio, and Rufus Edmiston, and Pam Beck, uh, who is uh, with us by phone today. Uh, before we went on the break, and so rudely interrupted by the news, uh, <laughs> yep. yeah, uh, before we did that, we, we raised a couple of topics, and I need to, to draw the circle on a couple of them. Uh, Jason's been kind enough to do some research for you. Uh, we've, we talked about places that... Uh, were, uh, didn't change the time zones between daylight savings and Eastern Standard or whatever t- standard it was. And uh, between a caller who called in and Jason, we now know that Hawaii and Arizona are two states that do not change times every year. And that further, Rufus, you were correct, Indiana has two time zones. So there you go. Well, Back to the topic that we got to before the, the, the break, uh, which was uh, about how the climate is affecting landscaping. And Pam uh, uh, was, was talking about this and, and uh, really had some great thoughts on it. Pam, I'm going to let you pick back up on that. All right. Well, thank you, Tom. And um, this is an issue that people feel very passionately about, and there are no simple answers. So let me start by saying there are 1.1 million landscaping workers right now, and a lot of these people are people who do take care of lawns. And what we were talking about is, is the great American lawn something that is going to be sustainable and potentially continue in our future? And I think the answer is, is not as we know it now. 
Our lawns are um, oftentimes a reflection of our desire to make our home look like it's a grand estate, like the big um, moneyed uh, Downton Abbeys of England. You know, if you go to someone somewhere like Europe and you see these expanses of lawn with the house in it, it was a reflection of wealth and leisure. But unfortunately, uh, most of us have neither of those things. And so the lawn becomes a battle. It, it eats up more of our time and energies, resources. Uh, there's nothing more expensive that you can put in your landscape than a lawn because by the time you buy the seed, the chemicals, the lime, the fertilizers, um, and you even buy equipment just to maintain that one thing. You have lawnmowers. Well, Pam, that's not the big issue. The big issue, so far as I'm concerned, for those of us who have irrigation systems, I'm looking at $200 water bills during the summer. Yes, it's the water. Water is the most precious resource. You know, when we talk about oil and oil wars, we have the potential for having much greater problems about clean water, clean, sustainable water. But it's, it's even closer to home than that is a lawn that is kept like a living room carpet where it's absolutely a monoculture and it's pristine and, and weed-free and all that. That lawn is also free of butterflies and ladybugs yep. and frogs. And do you know that fireflies, our lightning bugs, sleep in the soil in lawns? And if you put pesticides on that lawn, then you are killing the very thing that we want to see in the summer that we are so nostalgic for. Um, I want my grandchildren to be able to make a wish with the dandelion. I want them to find a four-leaf clover. I want to have butterflies and fireflies in my garden. And these things, these worms that a lot of us refer to them as caterpillars and, and worms and things, these feed the birds. And these birds, they don't feed their babies seeds. Every bird, even seed-eating birds, have to feed their babies insects and caterpillars. And so it's this connectedness, this, this full circle. And I'm, I apologize, and I'll, I'll get off my soapbox, but I, I think there is a place for a lawn. I think a well-kept lawn, a healthy lawn is a beautiful thing, but it doesn't have to be perfect. We need to allow right. for the imperfection of, of nature. Good comments. I appreciate I'm that. I'm just sitting over here just lux- luxuriating in all those wonderful words <laughs> you said about that. that well, another another part of this is it, that she raised is that, and Phil, I think you're the one. Um, we had been getting, because we have a backyard swimming pool and a lot of greenery in the back, mosquitoes had gotten to be just a real problem, and we right. were – we were having a uh, service come out and spray for mosquitoes. And I, I think, Phil, you were the one that told me that if you do that, it'll kill the honeybees and the butterflies. Well, and- the bluebirds, my thing at our nursery, we have probably 10 pair of bluebirds. And I see them diving. I saw some yesterday diving for um, bugs just in midair. And um, I just have a problem. Again, Pam, I apologize, but... Um, you know, there's not going to be any bugs left, and we can't have a world right. with birds and butterflies and everything that we enjoy seeing 
uh, if Can't we take their all, food away. We, right. Yeah. And and the other thing, you know, and and I'm not I'm not screaming at builders and anything like that because we got people that are moving in and we have to have the places for them to live so they're building everything for people to live in um and you know there i think the um i think the apartments and the condos in raleigh and Cary now have pretty much taken care of the grass situation i tell you what, anytime you turn around, <laughs> there's, there's a, much a vacant there spot anymore. of land somewhere, they're getting ready to build 200 more apartments. So i got to get to uh, yeah. Sim in a minute. Uh, Jason, would you ask Kathy if she can hold on for a few minutes and let me let, – let, let's go to the farmer's market and talk to Sim. Good morning to you. Good morning. How y'all doing today? I'm doing great. Hope you are. Hey, this Sim. is a gorgeous hey. day. I bet you the farmer's market is already crammed full of people. It is. It's pretty full. Uh and I think I think most of the the we- bad weather they were calling for today has kind of uh, toned it down a little bit. So it looks like we're gonna have a good day. That's great. So uh, we we did it by special request. We <laughs> we knew that uh, you, you didn't need that and didn't want that, and so we had the weather move further east just for you. <laughs> yeah, well, I appreciate that because uh, I should have talked to you last week. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Twenty three degrees. We yeah. had some rough weather that uh, Friday night, Saturday morning. But, oh, uh, tell me. We survived. Yeah, we did. Yeah. So what's going on at the market today? Well, we got some uh, plant vendors starting to move in. Uh, not all of them are here yet, but, you know, it's still kind of early. But uh, uh, the weather's breaking, and I know folks are itching to get out in their yards. So our, some of our plant vendors, some, well, some of what you'll find is some, some herb and perennials, uh, some spring vegetable plants, some indoor house plants, uh, pansies. Uh, you see a lot of trees and shrubs. Uh, some of the stuff I wrote down that was blooming down there right now. We got some hydrangeas, um, cherry trees, camellias, uh, flowering quince is is really beautiful right now. Uh, Laura Pedlum is starting to bloom. Uh, and then we have some petunias and snapdragons too. And uh, also we've got some beautiful cut flowers coming in, starting to come in as well. Wow. Uh, how about your vendors for uh, vegetables? Uh, it's probably a, an unusual time because you're in a cross between. Uh, spring crops coming in and and uh, winter crops. That that's true. Um, and and you can get some of that. And uh, uh, talking about some of those, those crops, we have some uh, some things that you can get. That's traditionally a summer crop, but they're grown in tunnel houses right now. Is tomatoes, zucchini, cucumbers, and strawberries. Got a lot strawberries. of uh, grown strawberries down oh, there this morning. Yum. We bought we bought some of those tunnel grown uh, strawberries. And, and I'll have mm-hmm. to tell you that. Ha- I didn't understand anything about it, and I had spent some time asking the vendor about it. Those things were as sweet as the ones you get in early summer. I mean, they were wonderful. I've, I've had some as well, and I, I tell you what, they're, they're really good. I, I, I have a hard time trying to de- decipher a difference between the two, to be honest with you. They've got so good at it. They they are yeah, they just are. delicious, and they've grown uh, in, in east further east from us, but they were delicious. and. Boy, the Honeycrisp apples this year have just been incredible. I mean, yeah. that, that's good. Yeah, we still got plenty of apples coming in. Still um, got some collard plants out there. That's right. Got collards, kale. Oh, um, hell. Kale. <laughs> oh, kale. No kale. You're not a kale guy? No, no you know that, about that kale sandwich I don't want. Oh, okay. It must be an inside joke. I don't get that one. Okay. Rufus right. does not like kale. Oh, uh, doesn't? <laughs> no. Well, I can't tell you I'm a big fan well, of it either. I tell them they see you walking down the aisle, hide the kale. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me. 
Uh, let's see what else we got. Red and white potatoes coming in. Uh, we got broccoli. Of course, sweet potatoes you can get out here year round. Um, radishes, onions, cauliflower. Still got uh, butternut, acorn, and spaghetti uh, winter squash coming. Oh in. yes. Uh, rutabagas, uh, carrots, mushrooms, cabbage, lettuce, peanuts. I've uh, got some pie pumpkins coming in. Uh, we already talked about apples. Um, also, I've uh, got plenty of firewood still coming in. We've still got some cold nights, cool nights, uh, so you can still enjoy some firewood. Uh, honey, eggs, salsa. Also, I want to mention down in the, in the middle part of the farmer's building, uh, we got the uh, Triangle Pottery Guild. They're out this Saturday wow. and, and next Saturday, so be sure to check them out when you come. Uh, local potters uh, in the area. Um also, I want to mention down down if you down in the uh, further down in the farmers building in between the plants, we got some of our craft shed vendors set up down there that are typically up there by beside the seafood restaurant. Mm-hmm. We have some in both places right now. We're doing some work up there. Our maintenance staff is, and so we've had to move them out so we could get the work done, and then they'll be back up there in a few weeks. So, you're talking about that firewood. Um- I needed some firewood. I got one of those solo stoves, you know, and mm-hmm. just love having the fires. Um, and I did a little pricing around, and the vendors there that you got at the farmer's market are considerably cheaper than if you call somebody uh, to try to, to get firewood. And the wood is pretty. It's good wood. So yeah, it, They do a great job. And you're right. I've heard the same thing. They're uh, good. They price it well. Uh, they do. So, um I, I burn a lot of firewood myself, so I enjoy I enjoy a fire. So yeah, we we got some good uh, firewood vendors out here. Yeah, uh, I, all I, going to the farmers market is just. I mean, you you don't go there for just ten or fifteen minutes. You go to enjoy the whole atmosphere and everything, and you might as well plan to eat while you're there because there's some great restaurants there, uh, including uh, the the Rufus Dog. Um, that's right. That uh, Rufus made famous, and the, the seafood, and of course the farmers market restaurant, and uh, the the one of the things that I think people don't talk enough about, so far as the, the farmers market is concerned, is y- you have the same vendors uh, over and over and over again, and we've gotten to know some of them, and yeah. so there's one particular person that we go to uh, for our our. Uh, 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 fruits and vegetables and and uh, things of that nature uh, every time, and they know us and we know them, and it's just even with masks on. Uh, we, yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, it, it, it's just a family affair, kind of, mm-hmm. you know. And, and that's right, and uh, that's that's one unique thing about it is you you get to develop a relationship with your your local farmer, and. Um, and they all have their special little niches and little things they grow, and they also have some, offer some great recipe ideas as well. Um, so you know they can tell you how to prepare it because they do it themselves at home and how it's how it's grown. And uh, like I said, you develop a relationship with these folks, and, and, it, and it's, it's a family atmosphere. Um, so you're talking about the restaurants earlier, and talking about making a meal of it. You know, I, I do find a lot of people when they come out here, they come out here to shop, but they also make a meal out of it. But I've also noticed when I have meetings with with folks outside the market, they always like to come have the meeting right before lunch or right after lunch. <laughs> Wonder yeah. why? Yeah, it's not a coincidence <laughs> that you know they they're doing it that way. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, come out and enjoy uh, enjoy one of our restaurants. Also, want to mention the uh, market shops. Yes, 
up above the farmer's building there. Interesting places. Yeah, all kinds of neat stuff in there, all kinds of great baked good items, preserves, a huge selection of preserves. They have preserves up there I didn't even know that was made. In fact, I'm going to ask about that later in the show. If if you're able to listen, maybe you'll be able to add something to it uh, about some plum preserves we tried making this year. Okay. uh, uh, But we'll talk about that at a later time. Sim, it is. It's good to talk to you. It's it's even better to see you. I, I, last time we were out there, I started to stop at the office and see if you were in, and and uh, for some reason or another, decided not to do it. But uh, just love being out there. Well, thank, thanks for coming, and yeah, stop by and see me anytime. All right. Well, thank you, Sim Kiever from the State Farmers Market. Kathy has been so patient in waiting for us, and Kathy, I apologize to you for that, but. Good morning to you. Good morning. I'm calling from Lewisburg, and um, I have a, several questions if you have the time. Uh, mm-hmm. I will try. We've got uh, a, a few minutes to go before we have to take the news break, but uh, if you will, go ahead. I want to get some of those white crepe myrtle, the crepe myrtles that have the white flowers and the cinnamon bark, but I don't know the name of them, and I, I have been looking, <clears throat> but I haven't found them, so I wanted to know more about that. They're um, notches, and we do have some larger. I think we still have a few larger ones at the nursery, but then when crepe myrtles start to bloom again, we'll have, uh, we'll have a lot more. You might could find some at another uh, garden center, but uh, that's what the name of, of that. Notches. Uh, uh-huh. All right. And, and what you, um, what you know, Kathy, has got the most beautiful bark of any particular uh, crepe myrtle tree you can find. I, I love I love that not just just is in the winter just as right. much as the summer. But do not buy a crepe myrtle if you're going to if you're going to commit crepe myrtle side. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I promise I uh, will not. All right, Kathy. <laughs> next question. The um so uh, we just got a picked up a few things at a tree giveaway here in Franklin County, and I have recently bought some boxwood and Leland cypress. Can I plant them yet, or do I have to wait? Why Why are you going to plant Leland Cypress? <laughs> <laughs> no, you can plant them now. It's not a oh, problem. Well, I'm just saying. I, yeah, I know. I, I I don't like them. They 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 get bagworms. Just be careful they, with you. They they fall over in huge ice storms. They, now I will admit that I, I my yard is full of them, and they grow quickly. But I I'm just not a big fan of Leland Cypress. Kathy, send him some kale instead. <laughs> no, I'm, with that. I'm totally with him on that and i um well i feel better that i didn't buy many of those there that's go. good all right third question um actually i had combined them and that's pretty much what i got but i didn't but i did not get my answer though we got we would veered off into how how we don't like losing cypress but can i plant them now yes you can it is a perfect okay, time. I had heard something about waiting until April. That's not no, uh, no, no, the, oh, no, the, no, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> the longer you wait, the the more uh, the more dry weather we might be looking at in the summer, um, and that sort of thing. You need the roots to to get started as soon as they can. Awesome. All right. Thank you for calling, Kathy. Welcome. Bye bye now. I hate to feel like I rushed her after she waited for so doggone long but we got a commercial break coming up in a second and this is a welcome to uh weekend gardener uh, we've got a few seconds left before we have to go to break uh you got a question for us today or a comment well thank you very much uh, uh enjoy your show and 
Uh, I have a quick question. I have a very confused Thanksgiving cactus that is blooming now. Can you tell me why? <laughs> mine is too. It's all right. Uh, mine and my daughter's is as well. And I think, honestly, it was um, just the perfect winter indoors for it. Uh, it's just it went through its dormancy and resting period, and then it just fired back up again. And it's it's absolutely a joy to see these things when they bloom a second time in the year. So it's nothing will it bloom wrong again? with it. Yes, it'll bloom again in Thanksgiving, especially once okay. you know it gets. Yeah, that'll be okay. It'll it'll be fine. It's just uh, mm-hmm. it's a very happy plant. Good, glad to hear it. All right, Jason has got his finger on the button there. We got a hard break coming up, so we'll be back with some more weekend gardener after these messages. News. Let's get back to the WPTF Weekend Gardener with Mike, Ann, and Rufus. And good morning to you again. Tom Campbell here subbing for Mike Rayleigh this morning. Uh, uh, Mike is in Israel as we speak. wonder what the time change difference is. I can't remember. Gosh, that has to be a long plane flight. It took about 14 to 15 hours. Wow, no layovers. Fifteen just hours, straight uh, flight. We we left out of New York when we went mm. and went. Yeah. Wow. I it had was, the pleasure, Tom, of going over there three times. Once as Attorney General, once as Secretary of State, and once on an economic development trip. And I thought you went on that one, but you, you no, didn't I went go to Japan. I went to Japan. Japan yeah, yeah, where Lufasan. Yeah, the, the name Lufasan. Lufasan. That's where it first came and from. It, and Rinda, Rinda Yeah, they couldn't. They couldn't say Rufus or Linda. It was Lufus and Rinda. Wonderful But trip. if you've never been to Israel, and you grew up like most of us with your grandmother reading the Bible to you, and you're going to Bible school, having Bible drills, it is a feeling you will never get over if you're on sitting up on Masada. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, you're just you're itching, you're scratching an itch here. We we need to do that. That's something we ought to put on our bucket list. 8609783 is the number you can call to participate and Tim from uh, Orange County has patiently waited while we did news and other business and Tim good morning to you. Good morning everybody. Good morning. Uh, good morning. I was wondering uh, I have a question and perhaps the lady that was addressing oh 20 minutes ago about the decreasing yard space maybe she could give me some ideas. <laughs> I have about an acre of lawn been tending it for uh, several decades. Uh, used to keep it like a golf course. Mm. Uh, take tremendous amount of time, energy, fertilizer. It's all right. It costs. It's about the most expensive thing uh, in my budget <laughs> for my home. It was a I, hobby. I, yes, I have decreased my yard size by increasing some of my shrubbery and cutting off corners and this thing. I have lots and lots of birds, and I have planted four birds and wildlife, but I still have a large amount of yard. Recently in San Diego, I saw a lot of homes out there had an astroturf lawn, although huh. it was only 60 by 80 feet, yeah. but it's like, you know, when I get back, I'm going to check into that. Uh, we Pam? haven't done it 30 years ago. Pam, I don't, uh, what do you I'm, think there? I'm not, I'm well, not, into, the, I'm not can, into putting in astroturf, but what can you put in your... Good. 
Well, you could cement it and paint it green, but that's not a good solution. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, we need we need to have plants and we need to have soil and and so do the insects and the birds and everything too. Right. right. And Tim, I applaud you for doing away with um, part of your lawn. Do you know if we if we took away half of the American lawns? And replace those with just native plants, making you know little areas for perennials and trees and things that are native for us. We would create the equivalent of a twenty million acre national park. Wow. We're talking about something nine times bigger than Yellowstone. That's just with half of our lawns gone. If everybody was to dedicate, you know, and just reduce a little bit, um, even it would make a tremendous difference. So, what would you replace it with? I would do exactly what you're doing. Increase your bed size, put in more uh, perennials, and put in more trees and shrubs, and that'll help the birds, that'll help um, the frogs, the butterflies, the bees, everything. And if you can look at native plants um, and pollinator-friendly plants, there are some plants that are cultivars that are really good for our pollinators, too. And, you know, we talk a lot about the importance of native plants, but I can be honest with you right now, the thing that the honeybees are hitting in my garden are my camellias and my hellebores, and the bumbles are all over those, too. And those are not native for us, but they still are filling a niche. They're still providing something for those those things that are coming out early. Good advice, Pam. Um, Phil, yeah, Phil, what do you think? Now I think uh, I think that's definitely the way we've got to go. Um, like I said, there's nothing wrong with having some some green space uh, in the yard, and it it gives a nice contrast. But I love I'm starting to really love perennials more and more. But you can also leave space to to spot some annuals in some clumps of annuals to give you some really nice color, because it's difficult to keep uh, perennials. You know, like to have some perennial that's flowering all the time. It's possible, but it's not an easy task. And we're doing more and more pots, right? So, right? So right? Anyway. Container gardens Tim, and things like that, that. Does that help you there? May May I uh, May I ask the lady that uh, first addressed the question? Her name and does she have a business, or uh, I missed that? Pam. Well, aren't you sweet? Um, my name is Pam Beck, B E C K, like the German beer. Um, I have a website. It's uh, www.pambeckgardens, G-A-R-D-E-N-S, dot com. And I, my business is I'm a garden writer, speaker, and photographer. Um, I do not go out and do consultations anymore for people. Um, but, boy, you gave me an opportunity to speak, and I did it. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I... I... I thank you. I have lots of ground covers that have been incorporated in my yard also. But anyway. Wonderful. Thank, thank, thank you. Thank you for calling, mm-hmm. Tim. Thanks. Thank, thank you for asking. All right. During the course of the break, I was I was telling uh, Pam and uh, I was telling Phil and, and Rufus, um, we bought, when we first moved into this house, this was 2015, a um, self-propagating or self, uh, self-pollinating pollinating yeah. plum. Now, I had no idea in the world that tree's going to get to be so big, and we're going to have to talk about getting it pruned. But um, 
Last year, we had the most plentiful crop of plums you have ever seen. They were sweet, and they were juicy, and I ate and ate and ate and ate. I couldn't give them away to anybody. I mean, it was just everybody had – they didn't. They turned away when they saw me coming because they knew I had plums in my in my hand. So Lib, uh, who makes wonderful fig preserves and pear preserves, decided we'd make some plum preserves, and so we put up some plum preserves. What came back was unlike our figs and unlike our our pears was really tart. And so I, I brought a I brought a jar of it uh, to do, and through the magic of radio, you can smell it and and uh, see it and see what you think of the texture of it. Uh, but uh, it's it's very tart. So I bought some saltine crackers, and I had Rufus and Phil uh, taste it. And I want to hear your recommendations as to one what we could use it for, and two uh, if we're going to do it again how we could sweeten it up some without just overloading it with sugar. You could put it over ice cream. Uh, we've, we've thought did about that. Did you try that. that? No, we haven't thought. We haven't done that. Yeah, you might could do that. Cobbler, well, actually, I, we did. I'm thinking yeah. of a cobbler. Ooh. That, <laughs> with a little more sugar. <laughs> it, for diabetics like you and me, Tom. I'm not diabetic. Well, like me. It it feels like it's oh it, that it needs a whole new, another pound of sugar, which we know it doesn't. And Phil had some kind of a, a, a word there from Wikipedia or something about how to cook it, but it it has the most unique flavor of any preserves I've ever ever taken you up. You said Linda would like it. Uh, now Linda would love it over her uh, yogurt. yogurt. Yeah, now I'll, so it, it I'll would see be good to with it. Yogurt. You get a half dozen jars or something. <laughs> yeah. She would she would love it because we always at the farmers market. There's the, talking about jar uh, jams and jellies. There's a sec, there's one little section there that sells no sugar added. Yes, I know. And they have we buy that. Yeah, that that is as sweet as you want, but they don't add sugar to it. Phil, you did some research. Uh, I did. The marvels of uh, handheld <laughs> computers. What'd you learn? For sure. Um, unlike figs and and some of the other preserves that you make, great like great preserves and things um it says that you add the sugar after you've cooked the fruit down uh the plum in the plum so uh, wait a minute jam. so you, you put cook it? your fruit down just cook cook your put your fruit in and cook it all the way down should we keep the skins on or off obviously um, you got to take the pits out but yeah take your you can strain the pits out but other than that i think i would leave it i love leaving those, those yeah skins in i there. like that, the skin on it. it okay yeah all right so, um, and after all, after you've cooked it all the way down, then you can add the sugar. Because ah. if you put sugar, it says if you put sugar into plums and cook it together, it doesn't caramelize like it should, and it, it stays, it keeps it uh, bitter. Wow. How about that? So, yeah, well, just a little bit of see, little you bit have of difference. solved one it's of weird. the problems in the Campbell household. There you Not go. your Campbell household, my <laughs> Campbell household. Yep, yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, J- Jason's sitting over there, and he's just getting apoplectic because we hadn't taken a, br- a break here, a commercial yep. break. We're going to do that right now, and we'll be right back.
For 40 years, it was the Tar Heel Gardener. And since then, the Weekend Gardener has invited you into their backyard. A WPTF tradition since 1945. And welcome back to the Weekend Gardener. Tom Campbell sitting in for Mike Rayleigh today, who is happy in uh, Israel. Uh, Jason is just a plethora of knowledge. And he researched and he found out that in Israel, it is now 3.55. Now, is that a.m. or p.m.? P.m. 3.55 p.m. p.m. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, he's over there, and this is something he and Melissa have wanted to do for years. And I'm delighted that he's over there, and he's going to be gone this Saturday and next Saturday. Uh, We won't be able to sub for him next Saturday because we're going on a trip of our own. Uh, Lib and I have been married for 56 years. And wow. we have this, and and by and large, it's been fifty six wonderful years. She says some decades were better than <laughs> others, but I, I usually make her mad by telling her it's been six of the most wonderful months of my life. But uh, <laughs> there's one thing that is sure to prompt an argument in our house, and that's pruning. Hmm. So I, I told her I was going to ask advice today about pruning. Now, specifically, I want to talk about forsythia because uh, we had we had one of our maintenance people come up and cut our forsythia and cut it into a ball. And Lib says you don't do that with forsythia. All right, number one, when is the right time to prune forsythia? And number two, how do you keep it from just growing willy-nilly, or do you? Okay, I'm, I'm going to go first on that. I, I have lots of forsythia. I, obviously, cutting it into a Christmas ball is wrong. <laughs> Number two, I let it go willy nilly because you can't you can't control it anyway. It it is going to multiply like crazy wherever you put it, and if you chop it off all the way around evenly, it's just going to pr- produce more and more and more to spread. All right, Phil. I'd, from I from not, the other side of the Campbell family, the, the not, side with good credit. I would not suggest cutting it like a Christmas ball. I don't like anything cut like that, but especially for Scythia. Uh, my mom wouldn't have liked it like that because then she couldn't have gotten switches off of it very easy. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, um, and I, of course, my brother and I needed a few of those. But... Um, it's the way it's supposed to grow. My thing is, if you don't like the way something grows naturally, you probably shouldn't buy it because it's going to take off at some point anyway. I don't so care just how let many it times do what you it's prune it. Do. Well, yeah. how, how about yeah. the, I mean, the blooms all come on the new growth, right? Well, so I mean, yeah, you've got these the most part, but I mean, they're spindly looking bushes, yeah. that have no blooms on them. You can prune it back a little bit after it blooms if you want to, just to get it, you know, to keep it from being so crazy. But I wouldn't do it into a ball. Pam, what's your advice on this? <laughs> okay, I am. I am with Phil and Rufus. No balls. No. No. No round persifia. <laughs> no round quince. Period. All right. The thing is, this is why why prune. Now there are two reasons to prune. One is to rehabilitate it. If you have a lot of old wood in the center of it, you might cut those old branches, those old stalks, all the way down and leave some of the newer growth around to rejuvenate it. 
But to take it back size-wise, I agree with Phil. Take the thing out, and if you still want a forsythia, buy a dwarf variety of forsythia and plant that in, something that says uh, it's only going to get, say, four feet tall instead of six to ten. So there are varieties available in the trade. You can choose the plant you want and usually find it in the size that you want it. And forsythia is a beautiful plant uh, around the year. You were talking about ugly stems. There is great fall color on forsythia. It right. turns burgundy. It you know, I have loved plant. all three of you for a long, long time, but Uh-oh. I am going to go home to a lot of I told you so's. <laughs> And I'm not so hey, sure how well I like y'all. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to add one more thing here, Tom, though. I have had it grow so prolifically out into the driveway that I have treated, treated it as a Nandina. You go down, right. Down, right. With ha- down with some of the stalks halfway, some a little bit lower, some a little yeah. bit higher. Yeah. That, that seems yeah, to work a little bit more about putting them in, in shape. Have you ever done that? Pam? I've never done it. we got to take a break for news. We're going to be back again. We've got another half hour to go, so stay with us on WPTF's Weekend Gardener.